Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Esoterica. I'm Leah Eichler, uh, and I'm here with Susan Caddo, also Esoterica. And today we have the distinct pleasure of interviewing Howard Lavi. Uh, Howard Lavi is a lifelong journalist. Uh, he is a developmental editor, which is what we will discuss in depth today. Um, and he wears a few other hats, uh, which, you know, we can discuss at a later date, but let's mm -hmm. focus on the first two for now. Uh, Howard, thank you so much for joining us. Sure. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, it's just lovey. Um, lovey. Like, lovey. like love, just, just think about love. Oh, I love that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Howard Lovey. You know what? I'm, I'm I apologize. So that's a really lovely, lovey, lovely. Okay. Um, so Howard, uh, tell us <clears throat> what's that, what, what does a developmental editor mean? Uh, cause I think a lot of people are confused. Right. Well, um, you know, it might mean different things to different developmental editors. So I can only speak to what I do as, as a, as a developmental editor and, and to kind of learn more about my process, I guess it's important to go to know more about my background. I came up as a journalist, uh, uh, for, about half of my career. And then uh, about 10 years ago, I realized people stopped reading newspapers and I had to find something else to do. Um, so I, so I, uh, I, I became a, a executive editor of a, uh, of a, a book review magazine uh, called Forward Reviews. Mm -hmm. And we reviewed uh, independently published books, which was a good kind of transition between the journalism world and, and the publishing world for me. Um, so, so through that, I, I got into, uh, you know, uh, uh, contacts with, with more authors and more publishers and, and, and more editors. And, and the more I uh, um, uh, discovered about the world of editing, uh, book editing, the more I discovered I, I could use these journalism skills that I've gathered over, over most of my career and, uh, and, and use them as an editor. And that is, you know, uh, uh, helping authors to, to tell stories. Mm -hmm. And to tell stories in a compelling way that that readers will, uh, um, you know, will, will will want to read. So, so that's sort of how I how I go about it. Now, a developmental editor uh, isn't necessarily the person who's going to check all your grammar and spelling. Although mm -hmm. I can't help it, I do that also. Um, <laughs> it's just uh, it's, it's just what I do. Um, but 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 we're looking more for big picture. And um, when I get a new manuscript, a lot of times the best stuff isn't written yet. Mm -hmm. um, and I specialize in, in memoir and nonfiction uh, because, because of my journalism background. To me, anything uh, uh, you can make up is, is not as interesting as reality to me. So, uh, um, uh, so I, I approach them with just a lot of questions and I, and I get to know them. Um, and from there, we, we kind of go from there. And, and I guess... Uh, um, you know, I can take your questions in terms of specifically with what I do as a developmental editor, because there are many phases to it. But most, but mostly, I try to get the story out of them in a, in a compelling mm -hmm. way. Right. Um, I do you work with um, seasoned writers mainly, or do you work with newbies? How to how what's what is your what all of the above. All of the above. All of the above. Yeah, um, I, I get a lot of uh, of first time authors who say, mm -hmm. "Well, I don't know if this is a book. Everybody told me I should write a book about this," uh, and my feeling is that everybody has a book in them, and not everybody agrees with me on that. But uh, but I think every, everybody does have at least one book in them. Um, so I help them take what is a series of events in their lives and help them 
tell a story. I have people on the other end who are experienced authors who have had, you know, big publishing contracts who want me to be their, their coach to, to yeah. get them to meet deadlines and, yeah. uh, and, 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 and give, give, give me something by such and such a date. And then I tell them, well, this doesn't work or this does work. And let's talk about how we can, it's more, more reader friendly. Um, you know, a lot of times uh, I'm, I'm sort of part editor, I'm part uh, coach, I'm part amateur psychologist to get them yeah. to, uh, to really yeah. dig deep down and, and give me their full story. What do you think is a really useful phase to consult a developmental editor with a, with a memoir, for example? Is it when you start thinking, I think I'd like to write a book? Is it when you have an outline, if people do do outlines for memoirs, which <laughs> is a bit iffy? or once you have a draft of a book? I've taken them at, at all phases. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I, I have one client who was in prison for a lot of years and he had things scrawled on little bits of paper. Mm -hmm. I've had others who, uh, who, gave, who give me a, a complete book who've already been through a, a, a number of other editors and wants, want a fresh set of eyes on them. So mm -hmm. there's no single, single point. It depends on how confident you are as a writer. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in terms of, uh, of of when you want somebody else's eyes on it. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, in, in I mean, we we obviously see a lot of writers um, who submit stories to us. Um, you know, Susan and I are always reading like new writers and experienced writers. Uh, and I think a lot of people really don't know how to approach developmental editor. I mean, I think they're uh, intimidated. Uh, you know, there's a lot of um, are they going to not like my work? I mean, how, like, if, if you were talking to one of those writers, how would you tell them to kind of, you know? Well, you know, what, what I do, uh, first of all, is, is, uh, is I have a meeting with them. You know, right. I, I, I have a, a talk with them, uh, usually over Zoom, just like this. And, and, and I get their, their voice, you know, and I try to put them at ease. And I'm not there to take a red pen and destroy all their dreams, um, you know, mm -hmm. that I'm there to help them tell their story. And, uh, and so what I, what I do is I, I have a talk with them, it's sort of like the way I, I did as a, as a, as a journalist. Uh, right. um, I, I, I approach journalism, and even when I was a business journalist, I, I did things a little bit differently. I wouldn't stick a notepad or, or, a, or a recorder in my sources' faces and say, for the record, will you blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, you know, I get to know them first and, and, and why mm. are they doing what they're doing and get them right. to smile a little bit about what they remember or was what motivated them at the beginning. And it helps me understand what they're, what they're all about. And, and uh, as a developmental editor, it helps me understand why they're excited about writing about this particular mm -hmm. event in their life or, or this particular story they have. Um, and it also helps me get their kind of quirks and obsessions too, right? Uh, which is which is important when when writing a memoir. There's the story, and then there's how you tell the story. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, there, everybody has their own little uh, way of speaking, has their own you know catchphrases uh, that they like to repeat, has their own uh, sort of obsessions, and that to me helps bring a story helps a story come to life. Mm -hmm. uh, not just this happened. And then that happened and then the other thing happened. But it's a matter of, of, of telling a story uh, that only you can tell in sort of the only unique way that you can tell it. I had the um, distinctly unfun experience of um, helping uh, someone who was self-publishing. It was a 
friend of a friend, put it that way. Um, could you could you look at this memoir? And I um, was horrified uh, by a lot of the um, the attitude towards. It was a much older person who had made a habit of um, marrying women, uh, almost like mail order brides. So uh. trouble. Um, so I, I I had the experience, of course, of reading it, making a number of copy editing suggestions, but also making a number of suggestions regarding tone as far as saying, you know, you're kind of going to alienate the people who might otherwise read this if you talk about women in this way. Um, and of course, <laughs> zero, zero advice taken. Um, what do you do? But then they weren't paying me to do it. I think there might be a difference if someone actually is paying you because they, they, you know, they, they trust you. What do you do with people that are very attached and see your feedback as an attack um, or as missing their point? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think uh, occasionally you have to part ways if, mm -hmm. uh, if, if that's, if that's the case, I've, I've taken on clients who I disagree with politically say, mm -hmm. or who, uh, who write in a, in a misogynist way. That's very, that's, that's very offensive right. uh, or, or, you know, racist. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and which really rubs me the wrong way. I try to work with them though, because um, I think everybody uh, has a story to tell. And if misogyny or racism is part of your story, um, then that's what we have to work with. Now, what I also mm -hmm. say is, uh, and, 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 and I, this was actually an actual client that we ended up parting ways, uh, was people of a certain nationality or ethnic group are going to be offended by this. Right. Uh, so is there a way that you can, you can, you can advance that point of view with, without being offensive? Or if you are being offensive, um, how have you grown throughout the, 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 the story? You know, mm -hmm. uh, you were like this when you were a teenager, uh, but have you grown since then? Or if you haven't, uh, you know, what, what are the ways that we can get readers to identify with you, even as they, frankly, abhor your, <laughs> your opinions. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's hard, you know, as, as uh, Leah might know from, from watching my, my Twitter feed that I'm, I'm a very opinionated about certain things, uh, <laughs> <That's true>. so, <laughs> to say the least. Um, but I don't expect everybody, everybody to, have, to have my opinion. So I take people as they come, you know. Right. If, 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 you if you think that a certain way, I take that as a given and we go from there and what story can we tell? Uh, in the same way that if you say that you were abducted by aliens, I'll say, fine, whatever. That's your story. You'll stick with it. Let's tell that story. So I'm very non-judgmental. The only, the only way, the only line I ever draw is extreme racism, extreme misogynism, um, uh, anti-Semitism. You know, that, th those are things that I that I just won't do. And I've said goodbye to. Uh, I can think of two clients where I've said this this just isn't going to work. So, I mean, so we've talked about some horror stories. I mean, do you have a favorite, um, yeah. like a favorite client that you worked with, or a favorite project that you you worked with? Sure. Um, there was um, a, a client who came to me. Um, he is he has ALS, uh, also known as uh, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. Yes, where, true. and he got it relatively young. Most people get it later in life. He, he was in his late twenties and, and early thirties when, mm -hmm. when he got it. 
and there was a slow deterioration over time. My initial conversation with him was hard because he already couldn't speak very well. Uh, so a lot of our, our, our conversation was, uh, was, was, through, was through email. Um, and it was difficult because I had to be very blunt with him about a lot of things and not be sensitive. And, and he told me, nothing offends me, you know, so you, 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 you can be blunt. He gave me permission to be blunt. So he told a story about how he, uh, uh, he slowly deteriorated, but there wasn't a lot of internal uh, monologue or internal dialogue as mm -hmm. to how he felt while this was happening. And I felt that that's what readers really want to know, not this happened and that happened, but how you felt about it. Really, if, if, if you're going to do this, let's get readers inside your mind and how it felt to be a, a, an athletic, you know, young man uh, to suddenly not being able to control your own your own body movements. Um, and in the end, uh, it worked out really well. You know, he thanked me and, and it's the, his book is selling, you know, uh, pretty well um, because I was able to tell him to reach inside his mind and really tell us how this how it feels uh, to go through this. Hmm. Um, so that, I mean, it's, it's a favorite client in that I, I felt good afterward, right. that this is it for him. You know, this is the story he's going to tell this. Is, and he doesn't know how much longer he has in life. So I felt good that, that okay. we actually told the story he wanted to tell. Yeah, that's actually that's very amazing. powerful and, and heartbreaking. Um, yeah. but I'm glad at least his book worked out. That's yeah. Gotta yeah. Bring him some joy. Uh, so, okay, let's move on to some of your other uh, hats that you wear. Um, and uh, before we segue, uh, so um, Howard Lovey, uh, you can actually reach him if you want uh, to work with him as a developmental editor. His, uh, his website is howardlovey.com. And, of course, you should follow him on Twitter because it's very entertaining. Um, <laughs> at so least entertaining, even if you don't agree with me. At you least don't agree with him. It's very entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> so, um Okay, so let's talk. You, uh, you, you write for Publishers Weekly. You do some um, other production work. Uh, you're a writer, um, and uh, I mean, you've developed this expertise in um, in uh, Jewish nonfiction, uh, I believe. Is that accurate to say? Yeah, yeah. A, a lot of it is because uh, my my career has has kind of gone uh, a, a couple of different ways. I was a mainstream journalist working at newspapers for years, but alongside that, I also specialized in, in writing about Jewish issues. Mm -hmm. Um, ever since I was, I was in college and I interned for my, for my local Jewish newspaper. Uh, later I, I, I was managing editor for the Jewish telegraphic agency, which is kind of like the, uh, the AP of the Jewish world, uh, mm -hmm. uh, different uh, Jewish publications subscribe to it. And I covered things like, you know, uh, and this is back in the in the early two uh, thousands. Uh, you know things like uh, uh, Palestinian Israeli peace talks, um, this search within Judaism for for some kind of connection with younger people. Mm -hmm. um, and at the time, strangely, it was uh, what's going to happen with with uh, with uh, with anti semitism going away. Right. Um, right. So. Uh, uh, so that's always been sort of like this this uh, uh, this theme throughout my career. Um, I quit that after, in the early 2000s uh, just because I was burned out on it and the Israeli-Palestinian peace talks went nowhere and the intifada started and there was, uh, uh, I, I just got tired of the whole thing. So yeah. I, I went away for about 16 years 
and I covered science and technology. I went completely the opposite. You know, it's like science and technology and business. It either is or it isn't, and and yeah. there's no argument. It turns out there's lots there's of arguments. Always arguments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So then, you know, uh, um, I I, uh, I took this job as executive editor of Forward Reviews uh, at, in 2015, and then around 2016, something started happening. Um, you know, Donald Trump. Uh, yeah saw his rise mm -hmm. and there was this rise in anti-Semitism that I just hadn't seen before in, in my lifetime. Um, so I slowly got back into it. I contacted some of my old contacts at, you know, at Jewish publications and, and started writing again a, a, about Jewish issues. Uh, with me, it's sort of, I've, I've, I've been doing it for so long all my life that I can see historic trends just in, mm -hmm. in my own lifetime. I'm, you know, 57 years old. Um, and come from you know, a family of Holocaust survivors and, and Holocaust victims. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I kind of have this, this kind of long, long view of, of things. Uh, mm -hmm. And at the same time, I, I've also been, been writing my own memoir about sort of uh, uh, my own relationship with anti-Semitism and, and, and Judaism. And uh, um, I've been getting some, some very good feedback on that. So hopefully that'll come out soon as well. That's exciting. Um, that really is. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. tell us. I mean, I mean, so there's a new climate. I mean, there's actually a, so there's been a change in the climate, uh, like a distinct change in the climate in terms of yeah. uh, the rise in anti-Semitism. What what does that mean for writing Jewish nonfiction? Well, you know, one thing I do, and I do this for selfish reasons, is I interview Jewish authors uh, because right. I, I like to hear hear their, their points of view. It helps me stay right. in touch with, with Jewish publishers. So I do it for Publishers Weekly, for JTA, and also right. lately for my own Substack newsletter. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I've, I've, been, uh, I've been doing some podcasts. Yeah. Um, so there's a new generation out right now that, um, you know, they, they say that uh, the generals often plan for the previous war. And so mm -hmm. there's a feeling that the organized Jewish community isn't prepared for what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. They're used to dealing with, um, with Nazis on the fringe protesting, you know, uh, uh, or, 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 or putting out anti-Semitic material um, that used to be sort of on the periphery of society. Now it's everywhere. You know, it's mm -hmm. on social media, as you know, uh, it's coming from the far left and the far right. Um, and depending on, on your own political point of view, you only see it on the far left or on the far right, and you don't see it in, 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 your, own, uh, in your own backyard. And yeah. people like me who have been following this for a long time, you know, I, I'm, I'm left of center per, you know, politically myself, but I also see anti-Semitism on, on the far left. Anyway, there's a feeling among, among Jewish authors, especially younger ones, that the organized Jewish community isn't set up for this. Mm -hmm. um, so I interviewed a, a couple of uh, young authors. Uh, Han Mazig is one of them, who's is an Israeli author who's also kind of a social media influencer, uh, who's left of center himself, but uh, but sees things uh, uh, rising. You know, as he speaks on college campuses, he's called a baby murderer and, and things like that. You know, right. and there's. Right. You know, I don't know how political you want to get on this show, but but there's you know there's the sole argument over what's crossing the line between uh, Palestinian activism and anti-Semitism, and we can argue 
you know, uh, until we're red in the face on that. But 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 the problem is is very real that if right. you're Jewish on campus, you're you're targeted. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are a lot of younger uh, Jews, uh, Jewish writers and activists who are taking the matters into their own hands and forming their own support groups and, and writing their own books about this topic. So, I mean, the question is, um, uh, because, you know, it, it's, you know, the messenger, but how to get the message out. Are, are publishers open to these topics? Are they self-publishing? Like, how, how is the message getting out? Uh, a, a lot of times, uh, I don't think the big publishers are really taking them. Mm-hmm. Uh, not yet. I don't, I, I, I think mm-hmm. that they're probably, they probably will eventually. Uh, but right now it's uh, small boutique publishers. Uh, one of them, uh, Hen's book was, was published by um, a kind of a, a boutique publisher called uh, Wicked Sun Books that does primarily uh, uh, a Jewish, you know, he's, it's, it's published by Adam Bellow, who's the great Saul Bellow's son. Oh, right, yeah. Um, you know, who has his own uh, kind of political agenda sometimes, uh, but he's, uh, but he's, he's publishing the, these books by, from people who, who, who aren't really part of the, 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 the big conversation yet. Mm-hmm. I think they will be, and I think eventually the big publishers will discover that there is a story to be told here, but not yet. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's uh, interesting, right? But fascinating and a little scary. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot, lots of scary things happening, but also a lot of things to write about. So yes, <laughs> yeah, that's true. When, when you are writing your own memoir, uh, or when you're working with a writer, how do you know when you are done? And is a book ever really done, or is it like Saturday Night Live <laughs> where they say it doesn't go on because it's ready; it goes on because it's eleven thirty on a Saturday night? Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. That that's a very good question. Um, and and because I deal with memoir. You know, real life isn't necessarily wrapped up in a bow, you know, mm-hmm. and then everything was right uh, the end, you know, or and then I recovered and, and everything is fine. But it's a, it's, a, it's a matter of uh, of, of, of telling a, a story um, that um, that makes people think, you know, I, I try to mm-hmm. tell people that a memoir is not an autobiography. You're not writing an autobiography mm-hmm. unless you're a celebrity or, or, or somebody famous or a famous politician. Nobody is interested in what you had for breakfast every single day. But they're interested in a certain aspect of your life, you know, a certain time period. Um, so, you know, often what, what I what I tell people, if, if you want to tell people what would tell readers what happened afterwards, write an epilogue, you know. Yeah. Today I'm recovered from this, and 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 I moved on to other things, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's 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 hard to say the end on your own life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but also the end when you're finished. I mean, as writers, I know you want to tweak and tweak and tweak and rewrite and revise. I mean, I, I mean, it's you know, and even when it comes to you know sending it to an agent or something, sending it to an editor, you, you know, when I guess this is a question we all have: when do you know that it's ready? Yeah, when when an editor tells you it's ready, yeah. <laughs> that's much. You know, but often uh, often an author uh, will will not know. Right. You know? So so it takes someone like me to say, well, let's uh, let's let's wrap it up here. Okay. Or let's this is a good place to end it because A, B, and C. You know. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, I think it's so it, important it, to have that external eye for a memoir. Yeah. You are so close to it, and then you're the people that inevitably we first ask to look at our work are usually so close to us that they're, 
they're just they're implicated in the whole thing. They can't. Get on oh, sure. Board. Yeah. Yeah. And so. it's hard for me to follow my own advice, too. Yeah, it's right. one thing as 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 an editor, but as a writer myself, uh, I, I need another editor to tell me, you know, more of this and less of that and stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of yeah. course. Do you work? Do you work with another editor for your work? Um, right now? No. And that's uh, that's probably a problem. Right. Um but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a matter of, you know, like I say, I wear many different hats and, yeah. uh, and right now, uh, uh, nobody's paying me to write. So. Okay. <laughs> what are, besides the books that you have worked on, what do you think are some examples of fantastic memoirs that people who are interested in working in that genre should read? Um, if you want to talk, you know, we talked earlier about about uh, Jewish memoirs, and there's a uh, there was a sort of a subgenre a while back, and, and uh, Netflix has picked up on it of Orthodox Jews who okay. rejected the faith and and, mm -hmm. and gone secular, and they're fascinating stories. Uh, there's a book called uh, Shoot, and I hope I don't get this get this wrong. Uh, Those who go do not return, um, and it's uh, the story of of one man's. Uh, uh, um, um, you know, sort of uh, how he came to realize that what he was being told isn't necessarily true about the secular world mm -hmm. and how he gave up everything, you know, his family, uh, everything to, uh, uh, to, to enter the secular world. Uh, and, and right now, you know, he's a successful writer now because he understands both worlds. Uh, right. To me, you know, those are interesting to read because it gives you a, a peek into something you're not familiar with um, there's a, uh, uh, a change undergoing, you know, that you go through in your mind. And, and that's, those are the best kinds of uh, books to edit and to read where you go through some sort of life changing realization. Uh, mm -hmm. and sometimes it can be an addiction. Sometimes it can be, uh, abusive suffered, or sometimes it can be, uh, a fundamentalist, you know, form of, form of religion that, uh, that you end up rejecting. But, but people, at least me, you know, it's fascinating how you how you kind of go from the realization that something is not is not right with your life to mm -hmm. something uh, to let's do something about it and really sacrifice to do it. Love that. Yeah, that actually sounds like a great memoir. Um, yeah, I just looked it up. It's by uh, Shalim Dean. Yes. All who yes. go do not return. Right. Oh, right. Well, Excellent book. Oh, it sounds, it sounds like a great book. Well, this has been uh, wonderful. And just to wrap up, uh, Howard Lovey, um, who is developmental editor, and he is a writer and a memoirist, and we hope to see his memoir uh, shortly on the shelves. And if you'd like to work with Howard, uh, you can go to his website, howardlovey.com. And uh, it's this has been very instructional and very beneficial. And thank you so much for, and also follow him on Twitter and Substack because it's the very educational <laughs> and very entertaining. Uh, we, we will we will cross post this on Substack so everyone can okay. read it as well. Um, well, thank you, Howard. Uh, it was great having you. Thank on. you. Thank you, Leigh and Susan. I, I appreciate your time. For yeah. Here. All right, everyone. See you next week. Bye until Bye. then. Bye.